I'm, uh, if you're new, I'm Pastor Bill. Um, the, you're going to meet Pastor Hojan after this, uh, the message. He's going to be leading in the confirmations. And Pastor Danny was up here at this microphone. So those are the three pastors. And we really do welcome you here in our worship together. Easter is all about life. It's all about a quality of life that matters and is deep. It's about a kind of life that even death can't wipe away. Easter is all about life. So where do you look for life? Where do you strive to find a life that matters, a life that is truly good? What do you sacrifice to be able to have a better life? Where are you investing to have a better life? Where are you looking for fullness of life. I was in New York City three days before Palm Sunday. I didn't have anything to do. I just wanted to get out of Boston and just go play and walk through the city. I wanted to walk through Central Park during, um, during the springtime. And, um, and if you know me, you know that I love to walk, and I actually I love to walk in cities. So I actually, on my Fitbit, I clocked 47 miles in three days walking around New York City. And so as I was doing that, that wasn't the point. <laughs> As I was doing that, it just kind of, I, I started looking around trying to figure out what does it look like people in New York City are doing to have more life? Where are they looking for life or striving to have a better life? And, um, and I just watched around. And there were the, the, the triad, money, sex, and power. There are still bunches and bunches of people that think that if they have more money and more sex and more power, then they're going to have more life. There was nature. I walked through Central Park. I took some pictures of the, the cherry trees blossoming and the, the daffodils and the crocuses. And there are many people who look to nature to have more fullness of life. Of course, physical fitness. Um, you couldn't do anything in the city without seeing people jogging or biking. Um, New York City is pretty much in your face. Fashion and beauty. Um, that, that This idea that if, if I look more beautiful, if I buy more fashionable clothes then I will have a better life. There is shopping, and, um, and so many in our culture are trying to fill a gap or a lack of feeling alive by going shopping. Um, and then um, food. Food is, I mean, all, it, this whole idea somehow that, that really good food makes a really good life. So food is just in our face. Food, food, food all the time. Then there are exotic cars. It was cool walking around and seeing the really, really cool cars. Um, but I always hear Shrek's voice inside of my head. Whenever I see some guy who's you know, like my age or overweight, middle-aged white guy um, driving an exotic car, I always hear Shrek saying, I think he's overcompensating for something. Um, art is a way that many people, they turn to the arts to, um, to find more life. And so I try to go to a different museum each time I go to New York City just for the fun of it. And so I went to the Frick Collection. Um, the Frick Collection is an interesting story. Let me tell it to you briefly. Um, Henry Clay Frick grew up as a very poor Mennonite boy in western Pennsylvania. And he just wanted to get out of poverty so badly, he moved to Pittsburgh. He um, ended up connecting with Carnegie and, um, and kind of rose to wealth with Carnegie. And, um, and they ended up having a horrible break in their relationship. He became incredibly, incredibly wealthy. He was one of the one percenters in his time. And, um, 
the problem is that the way that he got rich was pretty kind of disgusting. Um, he led the Pinkerton detectives that killed strikers at one of Carnegie's um, steel uh, manufacturing sites, and he called in these detectives, and they just shot a bunch of people. He was so hated after that in Pittsburgh that he decided to move to New York City. Had so much money that he built a mansion right on Fifth Avenue, right across from Central Park. And in that mansion, he put his art collection because he amassed, he had so much money, he amassed one of the, the greatest art collections of his generation. Uh, I just wrote down some of the, the, the painters that he collected. Brugel, Bernini, Van Dyck, Goyo, uh, El Greco, Monet, Rembrandt. I think there are four Rembrandts that I saw when I was there. Degas, Holbein, Vermeer, Whistler, Renoir, and the list just kept going on and on. So he built this mansion just to, as a matter of fact, that Picture upper right, that's, that's in um, the main part of his mansion. He built that room just to display his art. Moved in to his house on Fifth Avenue. Four and a half years later, dead. All that art and all that collecting and all that trying to find life. Four and a half years and it was gone. But there are still so many people that I see who are looking to the art somehow to get more life. And there's knowledge. Maybe if we know more, then we will have more light. And then this last one was just weird to me. How many dogs are there in New York City? <laughs> I mean, this might, must do something for people. I watched a guy walk down 7th Avenue with a Great Dane, and I thought, what kind of an apartment is he living in that the dog takes up more room than he does? And I figured dogs must give some kind of life because why else would people walk around after them and pick up their poop, right? Um, the point is, we're all looking for life somewhere. We're aching for some kind of elements of our lives, not just of significance, but of joy and of contentment as well. Where are you looking for life? I love how the Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3. He just talked about all the things that, before he met Christ, all the things that he thought we're going to bring him life. His status. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. His parents did everything religiously correctly. And then in his own rigid righteousness, he was flawless. And so he talks about how all that he thought was going to give him life before he met Christ became worthless and nothing after he met Christ. So in Philippians 3, 7, he wrote, Whatever was to my profit before, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love then how Paul talks about pressing on for life. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. That's what I want to look at. I want to look at, look at three, three things that he says to press on towards in Philippians chapter 3. And then I'll share one thought with you, and then we'll, um, we actually have three confirmations. You're going to hear three really sweet testimonies of God at work and giving life to people here at Cornerstone. So, um, first of all, Paul says that, um, first he says, press on to know Christ. Press on to know Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. Press on to know 
Christ. Biblical Christianity proclaims that Christ is life and Christ gives life. We can look all kinds of other places to have fullness of, we can look at our career, we can look at, at beauty, we can look at money, we can look at status, we can look at our perfectionism. But biblical Christianity insists that Christ is life and Christ gives life. And so Paul says that he wants to know Christ. And the interesting thing about that, he doesn't want to know about Christ because there's a world of difference between knowing about Christ and actually knowing Jesus Christ personally. Imagine it. It's got to be a world of difference between knowing about Mother Teresa compared to actually having known Mother Teresa and being known by her or C.S. Lewis, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or anyone else that you admire. Fast, fast difference knowing about them and actually knowing them. Paul doesn't want to know about Jesus. He doesn't want to have, have more, more information about Jesus. He wants to know and be known by Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, and up to now in your life, you've known about Jesus, but you haven't known him personally, as your friend, as your redeemer, as your wisdom, as your guide, as your, your leader of your life, if you've only known about Jesus, I want to encourage you. This is the day for you where you can know Jesus himself. And the Bible's very simple about how that happens. We, we, a simple, heartfelt prayer. Father in heaven, I confess that I'm not what you want me to be. I confess that I have sinned. Will you forgive me because of Jesus' death on the cross? And Jesus, will you become the leader of my life for the rest of my life? That's it. Just three things. Father, I confess my sins. Will you forgive me? Jesus, will you be the leader of my life? And I want to encourage you, if your whole life has been knowing about Jesus and not knowing Jesus, you can pray that prayer right where you are. If you're not sure about praying it where you are, then come and find me afterwards. Come and find anyone else and say, I just want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And there will open up to you something that you never knew was available. There will be another level of life. You will look at everything in the world differently. You will see that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father who's above. And you will see that Jesus is committed to you having an abundant, fulfilled life like you never knew was possible. All right, let me talk to most of the rest of you, though, because most of us here have already come to know Jesus personally. We couldn't worship the way we worship together here on Easter if we hadn't already asked Jesus to be the leader of our lives. How do we get to know Jesus better? Because Paul was already a believer, and he was still saying that above all else, he wanted to know Christ. And so I want to give you a suggestion, and I want to ask you to consider this through the summer, you could spend the next year doing this. Just one, there's so much we could talk about. Just one suggestion. I think it's time for most of us to go back to the Gospels. The way that we get to know Jesus better is we watch his life. So I want to encourage you, if it's been a while since you've been in the Gospels, I want to encourage you to go back to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and learn everything, observe everything, notice everything that you can about Jesus. What were his habits? What were the rhythms of his life? What were his values? How did he respond to God? How did he respond to people? We can get to know Jesus more and more. Into, and here's what, what the record shows. The more we know him, 
the more we become known by him and the more we want to be like him. You can tell people who have immersed in the Gospels and tried to imitate the life of Christ. And Cornerstone, can we, can we take on that challenge to know Jesus personally in these ways? Because Christ is life. Christ is the author of life. Christ loves to pour into us the life of God. Secondly, if we want to have a life that endures, if we want to have a life that even death cannot overcome, Paul says to, don't just press on to know Christ, but start there, press on to know Christ, and then press on to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Press on to know the power of Christ's resurrection. So 1 Corinthians 6, 14 says, By his power God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. But here's something that you've got to know. Most of the time when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not talking about life someday that starts in the future. Most of the time when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's talking about a quality of life that starts right here, right now, and it never ends. Unfortunately, most of us have gotten used to seeing the the term eternal life, and we say that someday, somewhere. But the scriptures want us to realize that the power of God that he used to raise Jesus from the dead is offered to us in our lives right now. So in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And, Paul says, I pray this, that we will know his incomparably great power for those who believe. There is a great power available for us as the followers of Jesus. And we've got to pursue that power. Here's why. Most of us know that we are constantly far too weary and far too weak. And Satan revels in followers of Jesus who are weary and weak. It's time for the followers of Jesus to boldly seek, to press forward to know the power of the resurrection right now in our lives. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power is right here, right now. Everything you need in your life God will empower you with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says that when we receive power from on high, we will be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, Paul says, but a matter of power. And then 1 Timothy 1.7, Paul says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power a spirit of love and of self-discipline. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have got to press on into the power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because if we don't, we're never going to experience the immeasurable things that God wants to do in us and that God wants to do through us. The problem is this. We don't, We don't get the power of God in our lives by sitting on our rear ends and waiting for it to show up. We get the power of God in our lives when we take bold steps of love, bold steps of forgiveness, 
bold steps of talking to our friends about Jesus Christ. The power of God shows up when we are bold with the spiritually lost and when we are bold to care for the marginalized. Can we pursue the power of Christ's resurrection as a church family? Power to trust God's unconditional love for us. I, I meet with lots of you. Way, way, way too many of us don't believe God's unconditional love for us. Can we press into the power of God so that we might trust God's love? Can we press into or press forward to the power of God to deal with our inner struggles and our inadequacies? We all have them. God's not put off by our problems. God's not even put off by our sins. God's power, though, is available to us that we might be transformed. Can we pursue the power of Christ's resurrection to slay those sins that are holding us back and we know that they're there? There is a power of God to overcome your besetting sins. God might choose to walk you through a process, but it's time to to seek the power of God that we might overcome our sins. Can we lean into the power or pursue the power of Christ's resurrection for our singleness and trust that God's okay with it and we'll be okay too? Can we lean into the power of God for our marriages? When things are tough, can we lean into the power of God and know that he will be with us? Can we pursue the power of Christ's resurrection with our children? Can we pursue the power of Christ's resurrection to trust God with our callings and our careers and our jobs and our vocations? The power of Christ's resurrection is there to heal us from all those wounds of the past. power of the resurrection is there to overcome the lies that bind us. Women, the power of Christ's resurrection is there so that you will receive the beauty that God has uniquely bestowed upon you. Men, the power of Christ's resurrection is there so that you can walk in honor as a man of God the way that Jesus wants you to walk. Let's pursue the power of Christ's resurrection to embody compassion in the world. Let's pursue the power of Christ's resurrection to, to, to move into those places on our campuses and our workplaces where Jesus needs to be seen, not just as an idea, but as a living person through us. And can we pursue the power of God to seek justice in our world? Satan loves weak followers of Jesus. Can we pursue the power of God so that we can be his presence, so that we are transformed, so our communities are transformed, our relationships are transformed, and so that we make a difference in the world? Will you commit this Easter Sunday to press on? Figure out what it takes for you to plug in to the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And then thirdly, Paul says, if you really want fullness of life, now and forever, press on to know Christ, press on to know the power of the resurrection. Thirdly, he says, press on to know the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Interesting phrase. Press on to know the fellowship of Christ's suffering, the sharing, the koinonia, the participation of Christ's suffering. What does that mean? So lots we could talk about here, but I think it boils down to this. Like Jesus and with Jesus, we, the followers of Jesus, move towards suffering 
and pain. How do we participate in the suffering of Christ? We as the followers of Jesus, with Jesus and like Jesus, move towards suffering and pain in the world. We move towards the suffering and pain inside of us. We move towards the suffering and pain in our relationships, in our families. We move towards suffering and pain in our church. We move towards suffering and pain in our campuses and our workplaces. We move towards suffering and pain in our society. We move towards places where there is racial pain and disruption. We move towards places where there is sexual oppression and human trafficking. As the followers of Jesus, with Jesus, we participate in his suffering by not avoiding the pain in the world, but moving to, which is what we see Jesus constantly doing. He constantly goes to those places where there's brokenness, where there's woundedness, where there is a need for redemption, where there is suffering. We as the followers of Jesus can become like Jesus as we move towards suffering and pain. Here's what happens if we avoid it. If we avoid our own suffering and pain, we stay in it forever. But if we go there with Jesus, we will see the power of the resurrection as God works through our suffering and our pain. If we avoid the suffering and pain in our relationships, our relationships will stay in suffering and pain. If we avoid the suffering and pain in our world, our world will stay in its suffering and pain. But if, as the followers of Jesus, like Jesus and with Jesus, we will move towards suffering and pain, our world will see that God is love and that God wants redemption. 1 Peter 2.20 says, If we suffer for doing good and we endure it, this is commendable before God. Peter says, To this we are called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk and follow in his steps. And Romans 8:17 says that we cannot share in Christ's glory if we are unwilling to share in Christ's suffering. Press on to know Christ. Press on to know the power of the resurrection and press on to know the participation or sharing with Christ's suffering. One th- final thought and then we'll wrap this up because we have guys get ready to, you know, get out your Kleenexes. You're going to hear ways that God is working in some of our people's lives and has been. You're going to praise God. Um, the, um, have you ever felt like this Christian life thing, this growing in grace, this growing up in Christ, this overcoming? Have you ever felt like it's taking too long? Just, it's so slow. And we start to make progress, and then we wash back, and then we try to move forward. If you ever felt like this is, this is taking a long, long time, you're in good company. Because that's essentially what Paul talks about next. And so let me read the next few verses after the couple verses that we've read, starting with verse 12 of first, uh, first, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. He says, I'm not there yet. It's taking a long, long time. But he says, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God seems to think it's okay. 
for this to take a long time. God seems to be okay with his grace for us when we're just taking baby steps. God seems to think it seems to think it's okay for it to take a long time for us to grow deep. So can I encourage you as you're pressing on to know Christ and to know the power of the resurrection, to know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Remember um, 2 Corinthians 12:9, God says to Paul, "My grace is sufficient for you." Listen to this. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's okay to be weak because then we're going to find out that the power at work isn't from us and everybody around us is going to see there must be a power of God still in the world. Therefore, Paul says, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on us. All right, that word press on, Paul uses it twice in those two verses. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. That, that word for press on, it's translated in different ways in different places. It means to strain after, to chase, to stalk. It actually is, is translated to persecute in some. It, it's translated to hunt. Paul says that that this pressing on is not something passive. I want to encourage you, don't settle for too little in life. Be passionate to pursue a life that is full and joyous and vibrant, a life that thrills you to be part of. Don't be passive about that. Paul says, press on, press on. Yearn for it. So so track down Jesus Christ so that you can know him better. Pursue and strain towards the power of the resurrection. Do everything you can to participate in the sufferings of Christ because there is a life of God still to be lived in the world. And we're all going to go through other times of growth, other times of suffering, other times of failing, but there is a power of God and there is a life of God to be expressed in the world through us. That is glorious. Will you passionately pursue fullness of life? And if you're, you're ready to do that, if you want to do that, you don't have to be perfect yet. If you want to do that, would you stand and let's read Paul's words together. So let's stand and we'll read in unison and then we'll wrap this thing up. All right, this is um, the verses that we talked about, starting a few before and then wrapping with the ones we just talked about. Together, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in Christ Jesus. And let's read this slide one more time together. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Remain standing and let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the author of life. You are the giver of life. You are the resurrection and the life. And you invite us into that life. We long to be the people you want us to be. We long to be the voice that you want us to be, the hands that you want us to be, the feet that you want us to be in this world, in every relationship, in every friendship. We long to learn how to move towards pain and suffering, to take your life with us to those places, whether it's within us or around us or among us or in our culture and our society. Thank you, Jesus that you were willing to take on our sins and die. Thank you, Father, that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us to live with us forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.